hello, 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 and welcome back to I Foresee Trouble. This is episode 32 or 33. We'll check that later. <laughs> um, 32. 32. 32. Yeah. Yeah. 32. 32 and a third. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening. Today, um, we're in the middle of a, a plenary week in the European Parliament, so all the MEPs are, are voting, still voting remotely. And we had uh, Miss Daly's Fundamental Rights Report on the agenda. Um, do you want to tell us how that went, Claire? You, we spoke a lot about it before, but we've had the vote now and we've had the... We'll do the story at the end, don't worry. We'll get to the story. <laughs> I, I wouldn't feel right about talking about fundamental rights if my colleague's fundamental right to tell a story was being expunged from I'm the trying, record. I'm trying to expunge the story. <laughs> no, no, listen. That's what I thought. Censorship is alive the, and well. Oh, you, uh, you couldn't have said a true word, right? Damien... I've been saying it all da- week. Damien is definitely of that... political correctness brigade that is all into censorship, right? And... I've never really bought into it. Just trying to cancel you, actually. I've never really bought into that shite myself. Um, It's it's funny, it came from the fact that the pubs are closed at the moment, right? And I was talking to a couple of lads at home um, on the phone about the fact that the pubs were closed and God, they can't wait uh, for the pubs to open again. And uh, one, one, one friend of mine said to me, he says, if the pubs don't open before Christmas, if I can't walk into a pub and buy a pint of draft beer before Christmas, he says, there's going to be trouble. He says, there will, there's going to be trouble. He says, I can't take much more, right? So I was thinking about the pubs around home and the, the crack that uh, we used to have in them and all, right? And it reminded me of, there was actually two different pubs and and. And remind me of a story from each of them, but I'll only, I'll only tell one of them today, right? It was a pub down in Collinstown. This night, anyway, there was a there was there was an awful lot of cards played in the pubs around home years ago. This night, anyway, there, were, there was about six lads uh, playing cards in the pub in Collinstown, and they started talking about the women at home, their partners or wives, and um, these were all old fellas, you know. So they were kind of going around the table and telling different stories about uh, their experiences of marriage and whatever, you know. So there was one fella and he had stayed real quiet and, and, and he was a, an unusual fella he was, right? He was a real character, right? I was very fond of him and of his wife. Uh, they, were, they were a great, very interesting pair. I used to deliver coal and gas to them when I was a, when I was a teenager from my father. I went to him anyway and they said, come on, he said, we hadn't heard any story out of you, they said to him, you know, and he says... Oh, he says, look at, he says, sure, he says, I often woke up, he says, in the middle of the night, and sure, she'd be helping herself. <laughs> Our next speaker is Mr. Mick Wallace. Madness. Madness. This is madness. We cannot fix a problem caused by capitalism with more capitalism. They hurt the people. I ended up at the end of a gun. On three occasions. I done well to survive anyway. Madame Daly will speak. A union which allows fiscal rules to be broken for arms expenditure. But not for housing or to put roofs over the heads of people. This is evidence of police violence. Whether you're an economic migrant or you're an asylum seeker, nobody deserves to be treated like this. And even having the neck to suggest separating people from their mothers. How dare you? Don't need us to kick him around the place. You could say it so what? It's a Please enjoy it here. We're trunched. I am ashamed to call myself a European. The recognition of Guaido. An elected Gupsha. Yes, an absolute embarrassment. No, you did use the word Gupsha, yes, sir. I, I would re- reprimand you over them. <laughs> that is a true story. <laughs> the funniest part of it is the expression on Damien's face. Class. I happ
I think it's kind of sweet. It I, is, d- yeah. I did my best to put the story at the end. It is a lovely story, right? A lovely story, right? Told by a man Isn't it lovely that people in their eighties are still enjoying sex at home? I think that's great. That is great. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm very, very happy to finish bring on that. Us neatly, <laughs> bring us neatly on to the joy of sex, which I referenced in yes. my plenary speech on um, sure, fundamental yeah, rights. Yeah. Very appropriately, I yeah. thought, but I was just making the point that uh, no one ever heard of the joy of sex in Ireland, the book that was banned until it was banned and then everybody wanted it, mm. uh, which is, of course, the consequence of censorship. And I was making the point in a kind of a flippant way in relation to what happened with my explanatory statement, which I think we dealt with in last week's podcast. But basically, this is a a statement that goes with the report that the rapporteur, it's kind of a little present for doing all the work on it, uh, writes themselves. It's not voted upon, it's their opinion and it's kind of added to the report. Some context to the report. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's a bit of a silly thing in that it's sort of, it's written before the report is discussed. So it goes with the draft and then you have the negotiations and the statement gets attached to it at the end. So... Um, as we said last week, the discussions around the report itself have been going on for months now, delayed obviously by COVID. They weren't easy. Like there were 600 amendments put into this report. It's one of the bigger gigs in the parliament. A lot of the bigger groups want it. It's unusual for a small group to get the rapporteurship. Some of them didn't like it. And I have to say the negotiations were torturous. Mm. But we got it to a stage where we had these OK compromises. Now, I wasn't happy in that it fell and exposed the hypocrisy of the parliament in that it wouldn't mention countries and so on. But the icing on the cake was when one of the shadows following the file, realised there was a mention of the fact that there are parliamentarians in prison in Europe, some with sentences of over 10 years for having the uh, audacity to organise a democratic plebiscite. And I mentioned this in the report. I didn't mention Catalonia, but that's what it is. Didn't even say Catalonia, but everybody knew. Must have been guilty conscience from some of the Spanish MEPs. But uh, your woman exploded when she realised this reference was in a three-page, you know, substantial explanatory statement. Uh, and without informing me, went running around to the bigger groups and asked them to contact the chair and get the statement expunged, which is censorship. Mm. Uh, And as I said to them, it's made the explanatory statement now a talking point. I jokingly said we'd brought it out as a booklet in English and Spanish (laughs) and that we were getting it um, translated into Catalan. But actually, it has become a a subject, a household subject in, in Catalonia. I mean, the exchange and the whole incident ended up with over well over a million interactions on social media. All of the mainstream Spanish newspapers, all of the Catalan televisions, media outlets. This was a a mega story because I built my, uh, I suppose, contribution calling out the hypocrisy, saying correctly that the Charter of Fundamental Rights is really important. But what's the point in having it if it's not implemented and if we can't even talk about the areas where it's been violated? Oh, you know, they can give out about Poland and Hungary, but they're not going to mention Spain or France or anything like that. So uh, they didn't like that. So they censored my report on that. And I made that an issue in the plenary and I actually ended up speaking in Catalan, which took quite a bit of practice over the weekend. It really... Uh, uh, struck a nerve in Catalonia it was mega and uh, they were absolutely delighted um, you know that it was called out I actually quoted Orwell in it as well like Orwell said you know if liberty means anything at all it means the right to tell people what they don't want to hear which exactly summed up the situation I wasn't telling lies I was just talking about the reality that we have uh, um, 
Catalan um, politicians sitting now in jails in, in, in Spain for having the cheek to organise a referendum. It's mad. Like, and one of the people who contacted me afterwards, after the speech, said to me that he found it ironic that his friend, actually, the same day I was given the speech about the injustice in Spain, his friend was given a three and a half year prison sentence for his role in blocking a road during the general strike when the Catalan leaders went into prison in 2017 and the man got a three and a half year prison sentence. Mm. Now, seriously, you know, a surprise to us that Catalonia doesn't get discussed a lot more and I was glad to be able to do uh, to mention the issues there but I think I also called them out on a lot of the hypocrisy of you know producing a fundamental rights report where you censor part of it and then we all you know hold hands and sing kumbaya and pretend yeah. that we're we're great Europe because the other side of it was the vileness of the discussion if people want to see what Europe is like I'd strongly advise you to tune in to the one hour discussion which is available on the Parliament's website around the report on fundamental rights and the hair will stand up on your head uh, at the contributions of some of them wasn't I mean Mick wasn't allowed in the chamber he was sitting in his office and he kept texting me going oh my god this union has problems you know each yeah. one madder than the next uh, but what happened at the debate on the fundamental uh, rights report uh, just took the biscuit um, it was scary that these people who think that they have uh, a monopoly on behaving well a monopoly on caring about people's human rights but they're, they're, when a push comes to shove they're so selective about whose human rights that they actually care about and that was uh, exposed in all its uh, ugliness uh, in the chamber and I think the right wing were out in force as well and I mean we've made the point before that migration is a huge issue here um, the refugee crisis, the criminalisation of NGOs in, in humanitarian rescue and so on, the pushbacks that member states have been involved in. And we saw like elements of the far right coming out with the most racist bile, like about traditional values and um, like your man, the Polish fella getting up and saying now, there are no LGBTI free zones in, in Poland. This is an absolute lie. Uh, all that is happening is that our local authorities are exercising their right to have uh, public spaces uh, open and available in the traditional way so that families and uh, people can fairly access them in a normal way or something. I mean, it's the most like <laughs> mad stuff like ever, you know. And then we had the other saying, what about the rights of Europeans not to have to put up with refugees or something, you know, <laughs> uh, or to go Same to mass thing. without having their head uh, hacked off, like, you know. I mean, really just taking uh, extremes in the thing. It was vile. And for many minorities, particularly probably Muslims, if they were listening to it, I hope they weren't because uh, the stuff coming out of them was awful. But as Mick is right, like the other side sort of answer to that saying, oh no, we have to support the report. So they ended up agreeing. Some of those right wing amendments were accepted around um, things like saying that we should have rigorous uh, security on our borders, which is a, a coded message for basically saying... And this is we a should fundamental have, rights report. And this is a fundamental it's not rights a report. report. Exactly, right. So that's in it. Um, we have that we should be working to break up smugglers, gangs and all this kind of thing, which is exactly the policy they use in yeah. Libya, which has refugees being uh, enslaved and raped in camps in Libya. So this is their fundamental rights report that they voted for. And and the so-called sort of centre-left groups ended up voting for 
because, you know, they said, oh, well, it could be worse. And I suppose the point I was trying to make, because we ended up voting against it, was that actually no report would be better than a weak report. Yeah. And this is not just a weak report, it's a bad report. You know, it wasn't so, it was bad enough when it came out with the committee, but there wasn't anything offensive in it. But now there's offensive stuff in it as well, such as, and it was ironically an amendment put in by Maria Walsh, which says that um, the European Union should be very careful about the the dangers and the dangers of, of Euroscepticism, which leads to violence. So in other words, saying that if you criticise the European Union, uh, that that's dangerous yeah. uh, and that it's violent. Now, seriously, like, you know, again, censorship, shouting down anybody with a dissenting view. That's what they were at. And uh, as Mick says, I hear you're a rapist now. And that's so <laughs> and I was accused of being like a rapist yeah, as well. That, which is probably yeah. like it was really just an awful debate to watch. Yeah. Like with the quality of the debate, the quality of the arguments. You did piss off a lot of people with this report in a good way. Like a I lot of them were angry about the the sexual and, and reproductive health and, and rights. But I think I think we did. I mean, I wouldn't take any of it back. It's been a tough experience and it hasn't been nice. And I'm absolutely delighted that the file is finished with. But I wouldn't change any of it. Well, I might have liked that we had a few different shadows from some of the groups, one of them in particular. But that's a different story. But uh, I mean, I'm glad of what we did. And I think we did shake them up. It wasn't the normal discussion on fundamental rights. We shook them out of their complacency and their general, as Mick says, holier than thou attitude that, you know, everything is, is, is great, you know. Fundamental rights, human rights are something that should be available to everybody, not to people that they think uh, are most worthy of them. If you listen to the undertone, even from the so-called mm-hmm. liberals in the parliament who consider themselves left of centre, the undertones of, oh, well now, uh, when we got around to this speaking about Julian Assange and uh, Claire uh, covered that and there was a big debate in the report about whether Julian Assange should be named or not, uh, did, under no circumstances did they want Julian Assange's name mentioned in it? A very small minority of people in the European Parliament who are prepared to even say that Julian Assange is entitled to his human rights. They just make you sick to It's the because, from their point of view, yeah, rights are selective. They're not fundamental. And, I mean, you're right. The um, point about excluding Julian from the report really was a kind of a red line issue for me. I had made the point with the shadow that that was a point I could not accept in the report when we were agreeing the compromises and I told them that I was going to be flagging the issue back at plenary when it went to plenary that I, I couldn't agree a section on whistleblowers. Whistleblowers, because it wasn't just media freedom, yeah. whistleblowers that didn't mention him in the context of the danger of the extradition as a precedent, like, you know, in this context, which it clearly is and which the Council of Europe has said it is as well. But they couldn't mention that. And it's terrible. So we had actually a bit of an international campaign during the week um, across Europe. A load of activists got together and were sending emails to their MEPs across the board, telling them to vote for my amendment to put it back in. But at the end of the day, 191 people only voted to put it back in uh, right across the, the house. The worst were the socialists, the S&Ds, as they called them, the EPP, Renew and so on, were the worst. I think the Greens and ourselves and some non-aligns and actually quite a few ID uh, people as well voted uh, for uh, Julian, but quite a mixed bag uh, on it. Uh, crazy. And why was crazy. there so little support, What, in your opinion? Oh, 
I don't. I suppose because the point we've made here before is that a lot of the parliament is quite Atlanticist. They follow the American line. Maybe they don't want to rock the boat on this issue. Uh, I don't know. You know. And this report was about 2018, 2019, so right? So when he was extradited. Yeah, and yeah. that's why it's so relevant to your yeah. report from your point of view because it's actually when the extradition, like that's the peak of all this discussion it's as well. So Someone being extradited for journalism carried out in the EU that threatens yeah. the interests of the US is if that gets a foothold, well, then we're in a, a serious problem, like, you know, and it is exactly, it's, mixed, it's for the stuff that was revealed in 2020, which made him a hero. He was mm. national news. It put the spotlight on renditions. It put the spotlights on brutality. People got justice because of the information that was uh, leaked and revealed at that time, well, you well, know, and, and now he's rotten in prison. Yeah, yeah. Well, Damien, you're asking the question, uh, why do we think there's so few uh, in support of... Uh, helping Assange. But the truth is, as we've said before, 90%, I would say, at least, of the members of the European Parliament are okay with US imperialism, which Assange exposed. And he exposed it in all its ugliness. And they don't like that. They they, they, they've, they have signed up, bought in to the rhetoric that what the US does is is we're on their side and we're fighting the Russians, we're fighting the Chinese and anyone that, that, that is involved with them, whether it's Syria, Lebanon, Iran, whoever it is, Venezuela, Nicaragua, El Salvador, we're on the US side. Well, I'll tell you what now, history will not be kind to them. History will not be kind to US imperialism. I, I, heard, I heard an interview at the weekend. It was just amazing with Roger Waters of uh, former Pink Floyd and oh man what a beautiful man to listen to and near the end of the interview he said and it actually applies so much to the fundamental rights report debate this week he said anyone that really cares about justice cares about justice for everyone mm. and it's a powerful line yeah, yeah. Mm. I suppose a lot of people who aren't your biggest fans of the two, you would always say, oh, the two of them don't give a toss about human rights in whatever Belarus or whatever. But actually, the two of you flip the whole thing around and you look at it through this through this broader lens as well of, of uh, US imperialism as well. And whose rights are we defending? Why are we mentioning this and not mm. that? And like to think of this Catalonia issue, for instance, we're talking about a reference to a actual fact that we saw police brutality there. It wasn't even a call to say anything oh, about yeah, the Spanish no, state, yeah, yeah. nothing about the judiciary, not no call at all. It was just about in a report that's not happened. voted in, in an explanatory statement of which, which is not voted on either, yeah. you know. In this specific year that we're talking about fundamental rights and you're not allowed to even mention it in a little a few words, you know. Mm. So what you're willing to talk about and what you're not willing to talk about is really just the litmus test of, of whether you stand up for human rights for all or not. And you see, we saw the socialists and Democrats, the so-called socialists, whatever, like they are so adamant to delete this. Do you know what they see, don't they're want to talk very, about They're it. completely dominated by the Spanish socialists. They're the biggest group there. So even though it's the second biggest group in the parliament, it's... They have the leadership of that group, the Spani Spaniards have, and they have the biggest influence that 
group and my God, they were exerting that influence on the start on this issue, on keeping a lid on Catalonia. And that's why I suppose I was glad to be able to use that as the linchpin of the speech. Well, not glad because I would have been happier to have my explanatory statement kept as part of the report. But um, and I would have been happier to have the references to the countries. But at least we got the chance to out that. And it had a, a very big effect as well, I think. I mean, I... I it's kind of surprised us really, hasn't it, since we came here, like how little talk there is of Catalonia. And it, I mean, there isn't really a, at home either. But how the Spaniards managed to keep a lid on things. I mean, the, the rule of law on your report came out, no mention in it at all. Yeah. Anytime it gets mentioned, they say that's an internal matter for Spain. Uh, and yet these abuses are well documented by reputable international organisations, but they won't call it in, which shows the influence in the par- uh, parliament and it's quite sinister. And I mean... I've got so many nice emails and I mean, I was kind of going to touch on one of them because I I did manage to speak in in Catalan at enormous personal cost to myself, the stress of that bit. But I think I did okay on it. So I'm told my Catalan teacher told me I did okay, you know. So thank you, Maria, for that. Um, But the impact of that on people, and it might be just a little thing and it might make it easier for people in Ireland to understand the situation as people in Catalonia see it. So this woman contacted me, a woman about the, the same age as myself, and she said she really, that it really lifted her spirits that the art to hear somebody speak in Catalan in the European Parliament in the same week where a Catalan and a Galician MEP, a member of Parliament were thrown out of the Spanish Parliament for speaking their own languages. It's absolutely not allowed. And I'd never thought of that. Mm. I know Catalan isn't a recognised EU language, but I didn't think there would be a problem speaking. But people were actually thrown out with the Spanish Parliament for speaking it, you know. And she made the point that they can't use their language in a normal way. In our grandmother's time, if you spoke Catalan, you were denounced by the police, sometimes sent to jail. In her mother's time, you'd be beaten at school. It was literally beaten out if you if you sought to speak uh, Catalan. And she said, now we're not beaten or sent to jail when we speak our language, only when we vote. Um, and she just, you know, she talked about going to Barcelona when she was 16 and she was lost. You know, she was from the countryside in Catalonia and asking a policeman the way back home in Catalan. And he absolutely wiped the floor out, don't you? dare speak to me. You speak in a Christian language. And she said it stayed with her and she apologised then in Spanish. A young girl going to the city like, you know, and it stayed with her all her life in terms of her attitude towards the Spanish um, police. And she talked about how she went to Strasbourg for the opening of the plenary and me and Mick went to that demonstration when all the Catalans came out because Puigdemont and Tony Camin who had been elected to the European Parliament and Uriel Junqueras who's still in prison. They were all elected over two million votes by the people of Catalonia and they weren't allowed to take up their seats. So there was a big protest outside Strasbourg. And this, I'm going to cry starting reading this because your woman's email was powerful, but she talked about going on the protest and they were waiting to get the... um, to get the, the flight to, to, to Strasbourg and all that. And she overheard two women saying in the airport, now don't speak in Catalan when you go to the check-in desk because if you speak in Catalan, make sure you speak Spanish or else we won't get there. They won't let us on the flight, meaning that the airport police were going to delay them and deny them and stop them from going. And she said, this happens all the time. She said, this is an example. She said, you know, and then people ask us why we want to be free. She said, just to live in peace and to be allowed to be ourselves. 
So I just thought it was so sweet, like, you know, and she said mm. for us to hear Catalan being spoken in the European Parliament meant so, so much, like, you know, and it kind of, I suppose that's the, the nice side. It's not nice, it's horrible, but it's at least we have the privilege of having a platform where we can give people a bit of hope. And I know Mick used the platform very well with Ethiopia. And similarly, mm. you think, you know, halfway around the other world, but the people in Ethiopia listened and he was becoming a big hit on social media yeah. as a result of that. So it can but, be but powerful. On the language thing, yeah. could you imagine Eamon O'Keefe standing up in the doll and speaking Irish and being reprimanded uh, for doing so? I mean, it's a beggar's belief that you couldn't speak your native language, whatever it is, or your language of your choice, whatever it is, yeah. you know. But myself and Claire went to see the prisoners in Catalonia at that time. And, I mean, I actually, I, I was really shocked that the judiciary in Spain and the government were treating the Catalonians. It, it was like as if Franco was alive and well and was making all the calls and the decisions and that they were still being treated by this fascist government mm. and being denied uh, their vice. These these people, I mean, they've been 100% uh, pacifist mm. in their protest, 100%, not 99, 100%. And some people might argue that maybe uh, it's one of the reasons that they haven't made as much progress as they have, but these people don't want any form of violence, right? And uh, they have sought their rights to be Catalonian uh, in a totally democratic manner, in a totally peaceful manner, and all they're meeting is stone walls and finding their leaders thrown into prison. Mm -hmm. And this is within the European yeah. Union. It's too bad. And, and they, they go mad. When you, when, you, <laughs> when you mention, they literally go mad. The Spaniards well, across I mean, the house from right to left, like, you know. Mm. It was a bit like there was some of the right-wing uh, French in the Parliament on Wednesday after your speech, uh, or whatever Tuesday, after yours, you mentioned the fact that Muslims oh, yeah, yeah. were being poorly treated by the French state at present, and that it was really wasn't acceptable. Well, some of them went nuts. I mean, it's like as if these, as if every Muslim that walks the earth uh, is a terrorist. Well, the truth be told, now. There's no race has a monopoly on them, right? People that uh, behave in any form, in any way, uh, we're pretty well spread across uh, the globe. Mm. And uh, there's none of us, as, as, as my mother uh, reminds me of a lovely expression she had. Uh, uh, she, she said, I, I remember her, say, her saying one day, and, and she often repeated afterwards, she said, there's a bit of good in the worst of us and there's a bit of bad in the best of us and it behoves none of us to be given out about the rest of us. Hmm. The tongue twister, but it's really sweet. <laughs> Very good. But anyway, look at, I mean, the report is done. We had the vote. It's it just about passed, right? It was it just about passed. So look, at, I actually would have preferred it to fail because I thought that would have made a bigger statement in this, the 10th anniversary. It would have caused shockwaves. It would have been a huge embarrassment mm. to the parliament and by God, they deserve to be embarrassed. Um, 
But it was only narrowly passed. Um, actually, the reality is more people vote, only a minority of people voted for it. So there was 330 in favour, but there was 298 against and 65 abstentions. So, you know, it only has the support of a minority. I mean, obviously, look at a lot of right wing headbangers voted against it as well. But mm. a lot of, you know, good people voted against it too for, for the right reasons, you know. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, most of the mainstream parties, including all of the Irish, except for the ones in GUI, so thank you Sinn Féin, Luke Ming and ourselves, all the other Irish voted for it because it's it was that part of that usual European Parliament narrative of, well, we'll we're the... The, the safe middle who defends these rights and you know we don't want the reactionary right wing uh, getting hold with their thing so really you know the left wing shouldn't be that principled they should just suck it up and mm. go along but actually that's the approach that has led us into this mess where the far right is growing and yeah. fundamental rights are being massively undermined all across the union and with that bury your head attitude that will continue so look at it was an experience and it's over and Thank it exposed God. a lot I think it, it did. was, I think it was it effective did. nonetheless and oh like, it'll be talking point it'll be yeah. one that's remembered yeah. for sure and normally they aren't so look at that's what we're here to rock shake them up a bit and we probably did yeah. made a few enemies in here but made a huge amount of friends outside and I think that's something we should always remind ourselves of like that the real people are outside here and not in it. Yeah. Let's go over to our Ethiopia correspondent, Mr. Mick Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Ethiopia is, um, there's a lot happening there. You're going to explain to us now the situation in Ethiopia. There's a parliament resolution that was voted today. In Ethiopia, um, I think we, we could be looking at an absolute uh, disaster situation. The Prime Minister, Ahmed, he was made Prime Minister in 2018. He wasn't elected. A deal was done behind closed doors within the parliament. In 2019, he'd done a deal with the dictator in Eritrea, which is Ethiopia's neighbour that they have fought with for many years. Um, there wasn't open military conflict in the last 10 years or anything, but there's always been tension between the two of them. He'd done a deal with them, and the people of Ethiopia or Eritrea were never told the nature of the deal, what happened, what was agreed. It was just that a deal is done, peace has arrived. And uh, both gentlemen were given uh, a few million by the UAE, who have become uh, very... Uh, much involved in the whole Horn of Africa uh, in the last while. He's attacked uh, the northern region of Tigray uh, with a population of over 5 million people. And there's a, there's a population of a half a million in the capital city of, of Tigray, of Michele. Mm. And he's, he's told the people, get out because we're going to bomb the place and we don't care how many die. This guy after doing his deal with Eritrea last year, with the dictator in Eritrea that we don't even know the details of, was given, lo and behold, the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, lovely. Isn't that nice? Mm. Well, I mean, in fairness, it's in a as good you tradition. said, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. they did give it to Obama, uh, yes. who dropped more bombs than any previous president in history, <laughs> who uh, deported more undocumented migrants than any other president in history before him. Uh, but then and they gave it to Kissinger. And yeah. the year after uh, Kissinger getting the prize, uh, he was responsible for mm. killing 50,000 people in Vietnam. So it's like a it, may, maybe it's pretty war. fitting that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that Abby yeah. is getting it as well. Mm. But it was obviously given, it was organized for him to give him an international gloss so that he could uh, unravel 
the, the independence of Ethiopia and bring it into the, arm, the warm embrace of Western imperialism. Mm-hmm. Um, we're only seeing the start of this horror show. Mm-hmm. The UN asked for the, the bombing to stop and the, the, the Nobel Peace Prize winner of last year said, no, we're going ahead. The African Union asked them to stop. No, not listening. And in fairness, the EU asked them to stop. Yeah. Not listening. He has, this man is on a mission and uh, he doesn't give a damn he, uh, who wants what. Uh, he's calling that outside interference. And listen, we're not in favour of interference uh, in any con- any sovereign countries, right? But unfortunately, uh, the, the US and the UAE are involved and the UAE are actually even involved in the bombing of Tigray at the moment, which mm. is scary. Mm. And uh, while uh, the... Abi Ahmed says that he wants no outside interference. Uh, he's already taken it. He has Eritrea bombing Tigray from one side. He has the UAE involved. He's actually asked Sudan to get involved. And without any shadow of a doubt, the Americans are involved. And it's interesting that um, the Americans condemned uh, the uh, bombing by the Tigray Liberation Front because uh, they uh, hit the... Uh, Eritrea airport mm-hmm. uh, with a few bombs uh, but he has not condemned uh, the the bombing of Tigray by the mm-hmm. Ethiopian government of Abi Ahmed who has never been elected. Is there anything to do do you think with the fact that this declaration of emergency came on the 4th of November which of course was a time of political turmoil yeah, listen, in the I mean, United it's, States? It's, it's, um, that happens um uh, countries, the whole world was watching the US election. So it was a great time to do something that uh, could be open to criticism. I remember when Obama was elected in uh, December, in November 08 and came to power in January 09, the Israelis started an onslaught and killed thousands of innocent Palestinians. And America had nothing to say about it, the mm. outgoing president or the incoming president. It was a right time. Mm. to uh, engage in their genocide of the mm. Palestinian population. And be careful, uh, it's still only November and Biden won't be officially in position, not that he's going to be any help when yeah. he is, because on foreign policy he won't be any better than Obama or Bush or, or Trump before him. And uh, But I would not be surprised if the Israelis get up to some bad mm. behaviour uh, in the next two months. But isn't Incredible. it like the more you're here, the more you realise how small Europe is in the overall scale of the world, not to mind how small Ireland is, you know, and yet the coverage that we get in the Irish media, it's so, as we say, Atlanticist. It's all about the US and, you know, all that huge side of the world, the different parts of the world, the different cultures, the different traditions. Uh, which is a majority like, you know, we, we get to hear nothing. Did crazy. you get any coverage on your report, by the way, Claire? In I Ireland. did. On Irish. Ireland. I know, I saw the Catalan media. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, household name in, in Catalonia. It's all over no, Spain, but no. in Ireland, I, 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 I don't know. I did stuff on Turkish, uh, Turkish TV and um, yeah, but no, in Ireland, God, no. Anyway, we'll, we'll no. finish on that happy note. But uh, it is it is something in, of interest, like you, you out of one of 11 MEPs elected from from Ireland here um, with a massive report like this is a biggie mm. and it's voted yeah. all these complications all these things happening 
lot of people. Just what well, I was going to yeah. say, if people are interested in hearing a bit more about Catalonia, I mean, I was contacted by Chris Bambury, who's an MP in, in the House of Commons. And they have a Catalonia friendship group there in Westminster and they meet regularly. So they've asked me to address their meeting on Monday night. There will be a public link. We'll be Zooming, you know, we'll be um, putting it out. So if anybody wants to drop into that webinar with the, the with Westminster, that might be good. And just because sometimes when we mention things, people go, oh, what was that you said? So last week I mentioned doing the, the launch of the anthology of uh, working class prose. And I had somebody on saying, what was that again? And uh, it is a brilliant anthology of uh, short stories and memoirs written by working class activists in Ireland, North and South, 50 pieces. It's called From the Plough to the Stars, and it's certainly available from Connolly Books anyway. So you can go up on their website and order it for Christmas. Yeah. So speaking of coverage of the European Parliament in Ireland, uh, we had an amendment in this week looking for an, an Oireachtas TV type coverage of the European Parliament. And lo and behold, the members of Fine Gael in the European Parliament voted against it. Is, yeah. it, is it possible they don't want anyone in Ireland to actually really know what's going on here? It's because I, I seem like I, it. I found it a strange position for them to take. Yeah. I was, I was really surprised. I didn't think they would vote against it. I really didn't. Me too, actually. And I think like... We talked a bit about this amendment last week, um, so you heard it. It's about establishing an Oireachtas TV-style um, EU-wide thing in all EU languages, which is already existing. You can watch it online, but just to have it as a TV channel to have it more accessible. Um, and it had big support, actually. It almost got passed mm. in this report on stock-taking the European elections, but the EPP group and Renew group voted against. Now, Fianna Fáil did vote in favour, but Fine Gael went with their group and voted against. And the only reason I can think why they would have said voted against is a, a money issue. But even still, that doesn't even add Certainly up. Certainly doesn't. There's no problem spending money on, on EU arms exactly, and all the rest. Yeah. So a few but bucks. it doesn't add up as well because the coverage is already there online. It's exactly. about making it a TV channel. We don't want Euro News to be I mean. You know, well, these the, are the people the right who champion transparency and openness, yeah, except and, and when it comes to themselves. <laughs> well, it's interesting how people don't want you to know what's happening here as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's it. All right, so we'll see you next week, and thanks for listening. Like, share, and listen. Thank, Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao.